0: Welcome to the Brownstein, Hyatt, Farber, Shrek podcast series. In our latest policy update, hosted by Drew Littman, Elizabeth Gore and Elizabeth Mayer discuss the future of the post Pruitt EPA, how the immigration issue has motivated Republican and Democratic bases, and what will happen during August, given Majority Leader McConnell's decision to cancel recess. Welcome back to another Brownstein Policy Podcast. I'm Drew Littman, Policy Director here at Brownstein, and I'm joined today by my colleagues Elizabeth Gore and Elizabeth Mayer. Elizabeth Gore serves as Chair of Brownstein's Government Relations Department and has become a go-to Democratic strategist for clients across the public policy spectrum. Elizabeth Mayer, policy director, leverages her decade of experience as a legislative director to Senator John Kyle, Republican of Arizona, to advise Brownstein's clients on immigration, trade, labor, and homeland security matters, among others. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, a lot going on in Washington these days. Let's start with... EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt, the subject of at least a dozen ethics investigations, resigned on July 4th. So my opening question for you two, Elizabeth Mayer, I'll start with you if that's all right. Will Pruitt's departure affect President Trump's agenda and who will fill the administrator position?
1: Well, the acting administrator Is Andrew Wheeler. And I will say Andrew Wheeler is nothing like Scott Pruitt in how he lives his life. He's been described as a policy wonk, a quiet person. I would expect the drama to, uh, at least on sort of a behavioral level. To immediately go away, Andrew Wheeler is very conservative. He worked for Senator Inhofe. He was the staff director of the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee at a time when a lot of Senate Republicans were trying to get their sort of their hands around the whole climate change issue. Andrew Wheeler was working on it. He uh, has worked on a regulatory level. He was at EPA for a while, and I don't really honestly see much change at all in how the EPA is run on a policy level, uh, just on more of a behavioral level. Uh,
0: Elizabeth Gore, you want to comment on that? And then I was going to add broaden it a little bit to talk about White House turnover more generally.
2: So I agree with Elizabeth Mayer that the policy direction is not going to change very much at the EPA Scott Pruitt was a disaster in terms of his ethics scandals, his interactions with Congress. He was a serial rule breaker. As you said, he had more than a dozen ethics investigations against him. He was completely tone deaf in terms of people's perception of him and what he saw as appropriate behavior. That said, he was certainly um, fulfilling the priorities of the president and following the agenda of Donald Trump. Um, And I think Democrats um, were just as concerned with the uh, efforts that he had to undermine environmental protection and the efforts that he took to undo some of the important progress that previous administrations, both Republican and Democratic administrations, had taken to clean our air and our water and, and make it a safer uh, country for us all to live in. So um, I think the knocks against Scott Pruitt were twofold. I agree with you that the um, – I agree with Elizabeth Mayer that the policy direction isn't going to change a lot. Listen, I think on the broader question of White House staff turnover – this is a a very difficult place to work in the in the Trump White House. There's not consistent policy decision making. The president is serially um, caught. In these situations where he's not telling the truth or his position changes or he overstates his own um, accomplishments or doesn't take responsibilities for shortcomings, this is not a dynamic that can be helpful for anybody to work in. I think that's why you're seeing so much turnover at the White House. I think he's a mercurial Personality. And I think that also leads to his hiring and firing on a whim. He doesn't vet people. I would expect this turnover to continue. And it's going to be harder and harder for them to attract top level talent given the dynamic that they've had in terms of the turnover
0: there. Thank you, Elizabeth. Elizabeth Mayer, it looks like you're leaning in to make a surrebuttal.
1: <laughs> well, uh, just on the EPA, I would offer one on a policy level sort of retort. I agree uh, that that some make sense. Uh, water and air regulations uh, might get undone. But there are other more extreme uh, regulations, such as you know the definition of navigable waters, that affected farmers and other uh, businessmen and families, frankly, that fell under uh, a very, very strict clean air standard or clean water standard, I'm sorry, but actually could have been something as small as a puddle on a dirt road of a farm. And so it's those kinds of things, I think, that some folks who are in the Republican camp have welcomed um, as far as changes on a, on a policy level. Um, but I think, you know, Know, there's good and bad with respect to personnel i would say you would be surprised at the number of extremely competent people who are still going into the administration the the people in the white house who uh work behind the scenes are extremely competent I've had a number of colleagues who have gone either to the NSC, to the State Department, um, and other places, and they are leaders in their field, as well as DOD. Uh, so despite, or irrespective, I guess, of, of what many people believe about Uh, President Trump, um, I have found personally that very competent people
0: are still going in. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, Let me switch subjects, if I may, Elizabeth Gore. I'll turn to you first. Immigration and family separation dominated the political news in June. How are these issues playing out politically? Does the immigration or family separation issue animate President Trump's space more? Does it motivate the Democratic grassroots? Are the Democrats who are calling for abolition of ICE overreaching politically? Your thoughts?
2: The president's immigration policies and family separation in particular are wildly unpopular. They... Um, incur the wrath of Democrats, to be sure, but independents as well and many, many Republicans. And I think you saw this play out when you had uh, prominent Republicans, including people like Laura Bush Mm -hmm. and um, others speaking out against what the president was trying to do. Mm -hmm. So I think that He really miscalculated what the impact and what the reaction was going to be on this family separation issue, which is it's just horrible. And it's not what this country is about. And I think every parent just cringes to watch the um, drama unfold and to watch the crying children being pulled away from their parents. And remember, these are people that are coming to the United States for asylum. These are people that are escaping unbelievable hardship in their own countries. And that makes it even more troubling, I think, for for many uh, Americans. I look at this really as a policy issue, but obviously it has political ramifications I guess it motivates some people in the um, in the trump base i i i 'm not sure who 's looking at that and thinking that it 's great policy, but perhaps there are some I think on balance though that it 's very much a negative for the president, which is why he he backtracked on it with an executive order and and now they 're trying to undo some of the damage that has been done but listen, some of this damage can 't be undone. They have kids that they can't figure out where their parents are. They can't get families reunified. And I think the trauma and the long-lasting impacts of this very poorly developed and poorly thought-out policy, are gonna, they're going to have a long tail on them. And um, you know, the biggest issue is that, I, that I'm sorry to see all of that happen to these, to these families.
0: Elizabeth Mayer, you worked for a senator from Arizona of course, on the Senate Judiciary Committee, which has jurisdiction over immigration issues. What's your response to to Elizabeth's comments?
1: Well, I agree with Elizabeth. It's heartbreaking um, to hear about, you know, a one year old child going before a judge a few days ago um, was just heartbreaking and ridiculous. And I think that everybody wants these children who have been separated from their families to be uh, reunified with them. I would think that most people agree with this so having said that I will also say it's not as simple the the whole issue as some make it out to be there are also if you break it down a number of of um, late age teens who are called unaccompanied alien children and they come across on their own and that's very sad as well, but that's a little bit of a different situation than you know someone five or under uh, or someone who comes with their parents then getting separated uh, from their parents sort of to make a point. And some of those uh, what are called unaccompanied alien children come across and they, they're counted as being separated, but their parents never came across. And these are sometimes teens who weren 't separated from their families right at the border, um, but who have decided to come up on their own so I would just hope in this process that everybody you know just keeps a level head and 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 listens to what the real statistics are about it. But having said that, you ask the question about whether it 's playing better for the Republican base or more for even independents or Republicans who don't like it or Democrats on the other side, I think it's really not playing well for the the sort of the Trump faction. I think that it's overwhelmingly um, because it is so difficult and it is just horrendous to hear about playing. And I, I hate to even say it in those terms because I don't want to think of it as political, but it's playing better for the the side that Elizabeth was
2: describing. Let me just make one other comment in response to Elizabeth Mayer's uh, uh, remarks. She's exactly right. This is a complicated issue. I would just um, remind you that, uh, Drew, that last year the president said to the United States Senate, this is a complicated issue. If you guys can come up with a compromise, I will sign it. And people worked really hard. They came up with a middle-of-the-road bill. It was a compromise bill. They had Democrats and Republicans on board with it, and they're getting to move it forward. And the president changed his position, changed his mind, and said he no longer would support the bill. And then you see the House in uh, just the last couple of weeks they're working on legislation, and the president's saying, if you can pass something, I will sign it. Then he comes out and says, you're wasting your time working on a bill. Then he comes out and says... Uh, You guys need to focus on this and get it done. I don't think the president knows what his immigration policy Mm -hmm. is. I don't think the president understands the issue, and I don't think that he has a clear view about what it is that he wants to happen. And that makes it almost impossible for the Congress to pass legislation in any kind of meaningful way because they have no leadership from the White
0: House. Let me switch gears, if I can, and, and ask you both about tariffs. Uh, Tariffs on imports from China took effect on Friday. China has charged U.S. with violating WTO rules. Finance Committee Chairman Senator Orrin Hatch from Utah would like to kill the tariffs. Help us understand the politics of the tariffs. Are red states disproportionately affected by retaliatory tariffs? Do the politics of tariffs help Trump? but harm Republican senators or members? Is there likely to be any remedial legislative activity? Elizabeth Mayer, you want to take the first shot at that?
1: It's a difficult issue, um, and you asked good questions, and I I think that there there aren't really any completely clear answers. Um, But I I will say that I did hear that there was going to be an effort by uh, some folks in the Trump administration to sort of save from tariffs, those even potentially smaller industries in states that would lose lots and lots of jobs to not impose a tariff um, on a particular product, that a particular company, a smaller company in a state that depends on jobs is coming from, and that the other larger companies uh, need to watch out because they might not look out for some of these larger companies as much. That sort of makes sense, but but sort of doesn't. Um, And I I do really believe that there are a number of Republicans, um, at least Senate Republicans. I think some of the folks in the House are a bit more populist uh, right now. But some folks in the Senate, like Senators Corker and Toomey, who are working on legislation that would, uh, in effect, require the Senate to approve new tariffs uh, from the president. I don't know exactly how that bill is going to work, uh, but there are uh, some cooler heads at play um, when it comes to this. Um, and I say cooler heads in that those uh, senators who just don't agree that the imposition of these tariffs is, is a good idea. But it, I think it remains to be seen how it ends up playing out
0: Elizabeth politically. Gore, what, are you, what are your thoughts? This is an interesting dynamic, as Elizabeth Mayer points out.
2: Yeah, so I have a couple of comments First, it appears that China has been very strategic in the tariffs, the retaliatory tariffs that it is imposing and targeting those parts of the United States that voted for Donald Trump. So agricultural products, uh, manufacturing, some of the particular products that um, will most greatly impact what we would call red states. So I think the dynamic is an interesting one, because so far, those voters have not turned on Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Those voters are continuing to support their president and support his positions on these tariffs, even though they are paying an economic price for it. So it's this, it's very fascinating dynamic to watch play out. I do believe that the longer that the Uh, trade war goes on, and the bigger the pain that is imposed, the weaker that support is going to be. But for now, it's holding. In terms of legislation, there is no way that Republicans are going to be able to pass a bill to mitigate the problems that the president has imposed. I don't believe that the Republican leadership is willing to pick that fight with the President and Elizabeth Mayer is exactly right there is a bill there 's a couple of pieces of legislation percolating along and you 've got one or two or three or four Senators on the Republican side that are trying to uh, identify ways to change the process so that Congress has a bigger role. president trump 's not going to sign that bill. The House leadership 's not going to bring that bill up on the Senate floor, and i don 't think the Senate leadership is going to bring it up either. Well, there may be an interest among some to pull back the reins on this president in terms of the trade war. I just don't think it's going to be a successful effort.
0: Is this the issue, the trade war, the issue on which Republican senators are most willing to separate themselves from Trump more than with any other issue we've seen to date? What do you think about that, Elizabeth?
1: I think it depends on the state you come from. If you're uh, from a farming state, for example, and you 're hearing from um you know a league of farmers who voted for President Trump but are now um of the belief that they are going to experience a a downgrading of of their farming situation, you're going to get on board with the Corker-Toomey bill. As Elizabeth Gore said, it's going to be difficult to pass something the president would sign. I would say, just in closing on this topic, uh, someone uh, from within the administration did remark to me a few days ago, uh, but look, if he's ever going to do it, And it's ever going to even out. And if you look at it very simplistically, and you know that China or some of these other countries continue to impose a tariff that is higher than the United States' tariff, um, the economy is going gangbusters. This is the time to even things out. And so, I I guess I would close with that, that... um, It's an interesting concept. I'm not sure if it sort of passes um, intellectual muster, but there are those who are of that belief that this is the time that you have to do something like this.
0: Well, thanks. thanks for mentioning that. It's July, and typically it's the time of year when we and our friends on Capitol Hill are already looking forward to the August recess. But uh, the Senate Majority Leader, Senator McConnell, has announced that the recess will be canceled. The House is not canceling its recess, but the Senate is canceling its August recess. What do we expect the Senate to do in August? What are we looking ahead to? Does it matter that the House will be out? And then looking ahead, what do we think Congress will be taking on beyond August but before Election Day? Elizabeth Gore, you want to start?
2: Uh, We've heard lots of different reports about what's going to happen in August. There was some thinking that there'd be a a lot of nominations votes during that August period. Others have said maybe they would work on the appropriations bills. Now there's conversation about having hearings, nomination hearings, for the Supreme Court nominee. Listen, I I think that the Senate majority leader is not going to be able to move anything that's particularly controversial. He has a very slim majority in the United States Senate right now. And uh, Senator McCain is not currently available to vote. Other Republican senators have apparently uh, told Senator McConnell that their plans are not going to be changing and they're not going to be available for all of August. So th- there will be votes. There will be a committee activity. I think it will be at a lower level than we normally see during a... a, a traditional congressional work period. And I don't think we're going to see any big, controversial, or significant pieces of legislation moving through, because they just don't have the votes to pass them.
0: Elizabeth Mayer, you have a different view on that?
2: Um, not
1: really. I, I do believe you know, there's an outside chance the Senate will be out. uh, You know, there is an outside chance that that they could get back a few days toward the end of the recess uh, or what was supposed to be the recess because of of, uh, what Elizabeth Gore just uh, uh, touched on, and that is that people are going out of town. Um, But I do think that um, it will be Just a slog of a month. It's going to be appropriations bills. It's going to be nominations. They're behind on nominations because they turn to one of the appropriations measures. I know that they want to really try to get the NDAA, um, the defense authorization bill done as soon as possible because traditionally you want to get that bill done before you do defense appropriations. You've got the FAA bill that expires, I believe, the end of September. You've got a few other just must-pass bills. Um, I don't believe that um, the family separation issue will be resolved in Congress before the end of the year, as Elizabeth Gore said. I'm not quite sure that this tariff bill is going to go anywhere. But we do have some must-pass things that, that really have to get done. No big bills other than the defense authorization and defense appropes and maybe some other
0: appropriations bills. Spending bills, then, as usual, more or less.
1: Yeah. and But, again, even on the spending bills, we're going to have to see what happens. There could be uh, an effort to just not... Get anything done and only allow for CR until the election.
0: Continuing resolution, spending bill, short term spending bill. Let me try and take on a, a big topic, if we can, in just a couple of minutes. President Trump has now a coveted Supreme Court opening. Justice Anthony Kennedy, the swing vote now for so many years, has announced his retirement. And the president is set to nominate a replacement for Justice Kennedy. The politics of this, I think, are fascinating, not just to Washington insiders, but people following the news throughout the country. Will the 10 Senate Democrats up for re-election in states that Trump won face intense pressure to support the nominee? And I wonder on the Republican side, what about moderate senators Susan Collins from Maine and Lisa Murkowski from Alaska? Is there any chance that a nomination can be blocked? We know how rare that is. And if not, what would be the end game for the Democrats? They're gearing up, but to do what? Elizabeth Gore, you want to try that first?
2: Sure. I think to answer the question most directly, certainly there is a possibility that the nomination gets blocked. And it really depends on the personality, on the record, on the history of that person going forward and on their conversations with senators and their hearings and so forth. I agree though, you're right. It's very unusual and it probably won't happen. Elections have consequences. The president won the election. He gets to nominate his choice and Democrats only have a small number of levers to to prevent that from moving forward. So I think at the end of the day, it's going to be a Trump nominee that goes to the court. And there's going to be intense pressure on both sides. You mentioned it on both red state Democrats and and on the more moderate Republican senators. But at the end of the day, you're going to have a Trump nominee that goes to the Supreme Court. My guess is that that will happen before the Supreme Court convenes in early October.
0: Elizabeth Mayer, veteran of the Senate Judiciary Committee.
2: I would agree with Elizabeth Gore. I um, you know, I, I
1: I do believe that for you asked specifically uh to me uh about my views about the more moderate Republican senators and you know uh they they've been uh sort of all over the news and, and talking a bit and I think that at least they like to think that they um are open to uh, you know, a a nominee who is a strict constitutionalist and is a someone who respects precedents judicial precedents but we'll see Uh, we'll see how these hearings go and we'll see how the nominee answers questions that are about specific topics that some of these senators care deeply about Um, it's a dance and we can't predict
0: lightning round predictions next official to leave the White House Elizabeth
1: Mayer? Uh, let's see. Well, Mark Short already announced he's leaving.
0: Mark Short is? The
1: uh, head of the legislative operation for the president. And everyone might not know that. Everett Eisenstadt is also said to be leaving. He is the trade specialist in the office.
0: Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Gore, want to make a prediction?
2: I think it's going to be John Kelly, chief of staff at the White
0: mm-hmm. House. Well, thank you, Elizabeth Gore. Thank you, Elizabeth Mayor. Thank you, listeners. This has been another Brownstein Policy Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Brownstein High at Farber Shrek podcast series. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Visit bhfs.com for more information.